Welcome to another episode of Propcast, a property podcast that aims to educate, inspire, and engage property investors. We are your hosts, Dami Shionbala and Bimbala Osaige. Today we have a special guest with us by the name of Emmanuel Okwe-Odu. Hey guys, how are you guys doing? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. Pleasure, for, guys. Pleasure. For coming on. Hey, Bimbala. Hey, Emmanuel. Good hey, morning. Dami. How you doing, brother? Uh, good. <laughs> good. Thank you. And how are you? I'm blessed. I'm blessed, sir. I'm Excellent. blessed. Good to, good to have you on. Good to have you on. Thank you for taking the time to join uh, myself and Bimbala on this podcast. Looking forward to uh, to to asking you some questions and uh, finding out about your your journey so far. Yeah, bro. Happy to share, guys, um, and hopefully to inspire um, young people as well to you know know that it's possible. Because I think at certain points in regards to property, people think it's out of reach. So, but hopefully it's going to inspire people. So I'm glad to be on. Thank you. Thank you. So we're recording very early in the morning, like on a Saturday at 6.30. That's right. And I have to say that Mr. Emmanuel is looking sharp. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you know diligence work. (laughs) (laughs) Boyko got himself ready. It's lockdown, by the way, so we're going anywhere. But Mr. Emmanuel is dressed like he's going out. So thank you so much. I think that's, that shows a lot about your, you know, your character and aptitude to work, the seriousness to which you take properties. Thank you. you know <laughs> I, I woke up there. like this. I woke up like this. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, if you're listening in, go check him out. He's looking fly, fly, fly. <laughs> okay, let's get started. So um, as we mentioned, Emmanuel is... Investor is very much into the property game in the scene. He's got a good following. He's doing a great, doing a lot of great stuff. Dami and I, the reason why we pull, put this podcast together is to encourage people, motivate them, teach, learn, share our journey. Um, so today we're going to be hearing from Emmanuel. So I suppose the first thing I want to ask you, Emmanuel, is how long have you been in property and how did you get started? Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Bimbola. Um, so I've been in property now... I was born in 2020, so for two years now. Cool. Started in 2018. But in general, from, from a very young age, I've been quite entrepreneurial. I've been very keen in property because my mum as well was in property. Mm. Uh, when I was younger, she had uh, three properties back before the 0809 crash. <laughs> it's quite telling because obviously we're in a pandemic right now, but uh, when when she was building her portfolio, um, there were mistakes that were made, um, and then she ended up losing um, two of her properties as well, mm. and which was also devastating on on the family. But that b- before the 0809 crash, I saw the benefits of having uh, a portfolio, having right. tenants, and having that passive income. So I was intrigued from from ten well, the 0809, so twelve years ago. Um, but always felt that property was a million miles away. You know, you need to be um, a millionaire, uh, have you know a huge pot in, in your in your in your bank to get started. But as time went on, started um, creating other businesses, um, and I felt like okay, financially at least I could conjure up a deposit. 
Then I went to a, a crash course with a gentleman called uh, Samuel Leeds. On the crash course, he was emphasizing that you could actually get onto the property ladder with little or, or no money. And that was a revelation for me at the time. Because up until that point, like I said, I thought you needed to be really wealthy. So he dived into some strategies, which we will probably go into more detail as the podcast goes on. But pretty much I became a student of those strategies, did a lot of self-learning because there's a lot of information you can get out there um, just by reaching out to people, by reading a lot of books. And I've read a lot of books on property and different strategies. By 2018, I knew what I had to do. And fast forward to 2020, I have a portfolio of 14 properties. Okay, well, I've got a question based on what you said. You talked about little or no money to get started. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Because um, not having the finance or not having the deposit is most people's um, excuse for not getting started. So tell us a little bit more about little or no. Like, is it really possible to get into property with no money at all? It, it is possible to get in with no money at all in terms of none of your own money. So you can um, joint venture with someone who has the money. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, particularly with the strategy that I use, which is uh, rent to SA, I, would, I always tell people you need m- maximum about 5K, and that's going luxury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and essentially, the strategy is called uh, OPP. So you're using other people's property to generate cash flow. Uh, and before you know it, if you get two or three of these properties within... In, in a very good locations, uh, you, within two to three months, you can actually have enough cash flow whereby you've got enough to then buy your own property. Um. So the strategy that I use is I use other people's property. Typically, you spend about three to five grand for the furniture, it's really, really light refurb on the property, mm-hmm. and then you start to use it for, for, um, for business, which the strategy I use is service accommodation. Right. Yeah. Okay. So for the for those who are out there uh, who don't really know much about OPP or service accommodation, are you able to dive a little deeper into what that is? Sure, sure. I mean, with the OPP strategy, essentially what you are doing, you have you are approaching a vendor or an owner who has a property and might either a be looking to to sell the property or looking to rent out the property. So you approach the vendor as a buyer, if you want to apply the, is what we call an option, put an option on the property. So that's pretty much a a buy now, pay later type strategy. So you're able to acquire the property now, use it for your business purposes and start to generate cash flow from the property. And then with that cash flow, you can, save up the cash flow to eventually buy it later at an agreed mm-hmm. price. So that's the, the lease option route. So you don't necessarily have the title to the property immediately, but you have full control of, of, of the property. Right. And that's, that's pretty much the strategy there, gaining control uh, and start to receive the cash flow and then eventually um, buy it from the vendor at a later period. Does that make sense, guys? 
Yeah, it yes, does. It does. Yeah. But yes. it does because we're into this <laughs> into poverty. Right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think what you said, the really the, the, the good way to put it, which you, you said really well, that I think anyone can um, understand is a buy now, pay later model. So you're buying a property to pay later, so you don't actually get a title to that property, but you're controlling the property until until you actually have paid for it. I think that's the same model that works in um, higher purchase or lease agreements when you're buying a car, where you have the car from day one. The car doesn't actually belong to you as such until such a time as when it's paid off. Um, But it's it's in your control. You can do whatever you can do as and what you've pleased with it. But obviously this is a prior arrangement you, you have with the lease company. So it's the same kind of model. Excellent. Can, and, I, can and I get you? I was going to jump in as well, Bimbo, mm. just to add to that. And, you know, if you look at the, a lot of the wealthy people nowadays um, in, in this generation, a lot of them do not own. They, they simply control. Mm. But when you look at platforms like Amazon, for example, majority mm. of the products that you buy on Amazon, Amazon do not own the products. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly with Uber, uh, Brian Chesky, He's the owner of Uber and all the people that, all the taxi drivers on Uber, you know, they don't own the cars. Mm. So this strategy, even we work as well, they rent these office blocks and then re-rent out the space to co-workers. So they don't actually own the buildings. So it's what you call the new wealth, you know, where you don't necessarily need to own the products to start cash flowing from the products. So we're applying the same model here uh, but in a residential property right. yeah right okay let's talk about other people's money because i want to clear that up again where we do hear a lot about little or no money down to get started in properties mm. and i think to an extent it gives people that false sense of you really don't need any money whatsoever i think that we need to clarify that whilst it says little or no money or for for instance where we say no money it's basically, I think what they're saying is, you know, you can leverage off somebody else's money. You yeah. can every leverage off money from your bank, from your cards, loans or whatever, you know, other people, the bank's money, your relative's money, your children's money, every other person's money, but yours. That's what we mean by no money down. So it doesn't yeah. have to be your own money from your bank account, from your savings. If you don't have any, but you can leverage off other people's money. Yeah. So I just thought we should clear that for anyone that's looking to get started. Um, it's a strategy in itself. And, we- and just to add to that, you, you can use your own money as well. But depending on how you do it, you basically are able to recoup that money. So right. in effect... Yes, you've put some capital there. There has been some capital outlay from you, but depending on the property strategy strategy you use, that capital outlay, you'll be able to draw it back at some point, and then it becomes a no money down yeah. acquisition, yeah. purchase, or right. deal that you've done. So there's also that element as well. To be honest, I think the appropriate word is no money left in. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. really the... But I don't think no money left in sounds as or is as commercial as no money down. <laughs> <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, of course. Even okay, if let's... you are rent to SA, um, yeah. you, let's say even the property, for example, is already furnished, so you don't even have to spend any money on furniture. Mm. But in terms of contracts as well, 
you, you do need the legal side covered, which is going to require some money, you know. Yeah. But, you know, after about a month in, you've recuperated your, your costs on that already. So it's, it's very little money. And like Dami mentioned, no money left in. Right. I think, you know, the, the amazing thing about this strategy that you're talking about is when you think about the traditional sense of acquiring property. So if you speak to the man and to the layman on the street and you say, you know, are you, do you want, are you interested in buying a property? And, you know, the first thing they want to know or they tell you is, oh, I don't have X thousands of cash in my bank account for the deposit. And especially if you live in the United Kingdom, where house prices are, or, or certain parts of United Kingdom where house prices are quite expensive, you would need at least about fifty to sixty thousand pounds in deposit if you're looking at a, a two hundred and fifty thousand um, pounds flat or house. So most people don't have that kind of money sitting in their bank accounts. Um, so already they feel like they can't get into into properties. But with what Emmanuel is saying is when you're able to take over somebody else's property, you probably just need about £5,000 to furnish, make it look nice and luxurious for your business. So imagine having five, comparing £5,000 outlay to a £60,000 outlay. That, I mean, that's a major, major difference right there. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's definitely a little money done into the deal. And most people can easily get hold of a £5,000, but not a lot of people can get hold of £60,000 or seventy or eighty unless... And they've got an inheritance or they've got savings in their bank account. Okay, let, let's move on to how you acquire these properties. Because you mentioned, you know, you might find a vendor that is looking to sell their property. Yeah. Um, or you or somebody or a landlord that is looking to rent their property. Why would anyone that is looking to sell their property today give or hand over their property to you without you buying and paying for it today? And in terms of landlords that are looking to rent their properties, why would the landlord, again, give you their property for you to control and make a lot of money? Uh, and that's something that they probably could have done themselves. Do you want to talk us through this, this scenarios? Sure. I mean, particularly now in, in the, the pandemic crisis that we're in right now is, mm. is even more of a motivator for, for sellers. So essentially, typically a, a vendor who will be willing to give you the property now and take the money later. With the banks at the moment, they've increased the uh, amount of money you need to put down to, to buy a property. And they've raised the uh, deposit from, I think, 10% to 20% now, even on a, a buy, to, buy to let. So that straight away is going to price out so many, or a majority of the population. So you've got a situation whereby... Uh, landlords uh, who are trying to sell their property because they're in fear of the house prices collapsing due to the pandemic, right? But then you also have another situation whereby the deposits required is so out of people's reach now. So you've got a situation where the uh, supply doesn't meet the demand. So mm. what does that create? That creates motivated sellers, motivated vendors. So someone like me will now come along approach a landlord who let's say for example we've been trying to sell since february right and it had zero interest because no it's not a buying it's not a buyer's market right now um but he's desperate to cash in because he just foresees um the crisis causing the house market crash so i now come along to the landlord who remember i said is motivated is desperate is scared motivated by fear uh, i approach the landlord and say look 
you want to sell your your house for two hundred thousand pounds, right? At the moment, it's diff it's difficult because the banks are requiring more money down as a deposit. What we can do, we can agree now at, at a purchase price. But in order for me to conjure up, should I say, or save up or finance the deposit required, we can do that at a later point, particularly when this crisis dies down. It gives the market a chance to recover. And I can also start to gain control of the property and generate that income and then pay for the property at the agreed time. So usually five or 10 years later down the line. So what you've, the problem you've solved here is one, the landlord is going to eventually receive the price or the asking price that he wants. All, right. All he has to do is wait. And two, you've taken full control of the property. So the, the, the burden of having a property, let's say that has no tenants in there or has tenants in there that are not even paying rent because they've been furloughed or they've, they've lost their job. You know, all of that burden is completely taken off the, the vendor and you've right. taken that burden on yourself. So it's huge benefits to the landlord because all he has to do is exercise patience and eventually he's going to get his asking price. So that gives him that guarantee and that, that reassurance that he's eventually going to get what he wants for the property, but he just has to wait. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But I think when you're in an economic crisis like this, it makes it even easier um, because more people are motivated, more people are scared. And, and in that fear, it creates the opportunities. No, that's um, that's really interesting, and thanks for thanks for that insight. I think, uh, yeah, what you say is is quite true in in, in terms of, especially in this pandemic, there is a lot of fear, there is a lot of, um, people are worried, and um, we hear we hear it said quite often that you know there is a pending recession coming, and that yeah. recession can can massively affect the house prices. So, it's definitely interesting to know that during this time you can certainly pick up good deals or, you know, mm -hmm. speak to speak to landlords who are looking to exit the game and, and yeah. not so much capitalize, but you know, what you said is you solved the problem. Yeah. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, I, I want our listeners to, to kind of get, it's not, we're preying on, you know, people with problems, we're coming with solutions right. to help these landlords and to help people who may want to get out of the property market but you know they're struggling and they're afraid that they're going to lose out quite a bit so yeah good, good you said, Danny, now is the time to expand and not contract you get what i'm saying you yeah. know most people now in fear you want to hide in your little bubble and you know bury yeah. your head in the sand but yeah. if you realize the opportunities now when i speak like agents are now calling me do you get what i'm saying because they've had to ev evict tenants or tenants are not paying the rent. And, you know, I've approached them with the model that, look, um, I'm going to come in, take on the property, pay the, the bills, pay the, the mortgage on the property uh, over a five, 10-year period. Um, what do you have on your books? And, and for them, they're, they're, it's, it's got to be a win-win-win situation for yourself. Mm -hmm. be a win for the landlord. It's got to be a win for the agent involved as well. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're going direct to vendor. But either way, right now is the time for everyone to win 
And that's the emphasis you've got to put on when you are pitching or speaking to these landlords and sell them the benefits of why they should work with you. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, but also you have to be in, bear in mind as well that you are taking on the risk and you have to do what you say you're going to do, essentially. So you're going to make all these promises uh, and you have to live by those promises, essentially. So recognize the difficulties, but also recognize the opportunities to, to expand. Right. Yeah. I want to touch on something that um, you mentioned earlier. I think when you were talking about um, how you started, you mentioned that your mom was into properties. Yes. And during the recession, she had initially she had three, and then during the recession, she lost two. Yes. And I think this when we when we tie that into where we are now, because when the, the pandemic is causing a lot of fear and anxiety, and yes, you know, there's a likelihood that some people could potentially. Um, lose their properties because of non-payment from tenants yep. even after the the three months holiday or payment holiday that we have or you know just general the general fear um it's important to stress that you know when we step into this kind of opportunities it is uh, you know and you mentioned about a win-win situation and no dami also said you know it's not like you're taking um, you're, you're not taking advantage of the situation, but you're seeing an opportunity there. So can you imagine what you know now, if you knew that so many years ago, maybe mom perhaps wouldn't have lost her property because somebody else who had the means to step in and take an option on that property would have stepped in, yeah. saved the deal. Mom would have still got her end of the bargain. The new investor would have, and you know, it would save everyone the stress and the hassle of losing a property, having your credit affected, just you know, just the whole morale of owning an asset and no longer being able to keep or afford it. So that's one of the the major advantage to this strategy. But there's so many but people are motivated for so many reasons. And yeah. one of the reasons could be that maybe they are perhaps at a point where they may end up losing the property or they just don't, they just want to get rid of it. They're just tired. You could be a tired landlord. You could be a retiring landlord. You could be a seller looking to sell and it's just not moving. Um, so rather than <clears throat> go through the stress, you know, there's an opportunity here. So for anyone that's listening, that's looking to get into property, or you know people that are in that situation looking to dispose of their assets, that's an opportunity for you to step in. Obviously, once you learn the strategy and you understand how it works, um, and in that that kind of scenario, you definitely don't need that much money or probably you probably just need a pound for the legals and then you can take on that property um, and begin to control it from then on. Okay. Yeah. Not, not a pound for the legals. You need a pound to secure the transaction, but legals would be still, you know, around one thousand, one thousand yeah. pounds. Eight hundred. Yeah. 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 Cool. Talk about how you acquire this property, the strategy that you use with other people's property. Now, can we talk about what you do with those properties? Now, you actually generate funds. Okay. So once you secured the property. Bef even before you secure the property, you have to do your due diligence on what you want to um, do with the property. So some people acquire these properties and then use them as room rentals. So they rent out the, the rooms, uh, room by room, sorry. Um, that's HMO, right? That's a HMO, yes. Right. Some people, I've actually known of some people who have taken on a property and then just done it up. So in terms of like repainted the place, putting brand new furniture in and then actually let it out as a single let as well for a bit more so they're making an extra two three hundred pounds on what they're paying the vendor a month just yeah. because they've actually bothered to just kit it out a bit 
and then that over time is, is, is quite a lot of cash flow built up in the pot. But the strategy I chose to use, uh, which I feel generates the most cash flow, is a service accommodation. So I take on a property in an area that I know has a huge footfall for the tourism market and also for the uh, corporate market. And the idea is to take it on, kit it out, repaint the place, put in brand new furniture, make it as luxury as possible, but within an affordable budget, and then put it on platforms like Booking.com, like Trivago, TripAdvisor, Airbnb, my own website, and have people pay me per night to stay at the property rather than per month. Fantastic, fantastic. And um, I think one of the things you said was uh, that's one of the strategies that generates the most cash flow out of the whole controlling uh, the controlling model. So, how how have you found that? How have you found it running? Because you're effectively running hotels, aren't you? Yes, this is pretty much a self service hotel. The only my staff that work for me are my cleaners. So when uh, guests arrive or when guests check out, should I say? Essentially, we've got a system whereby once the checkout is, is, is done, uh, an hour after the cleaners arrive, clean the property, make, re- replenish the uh, laundry, the linen, pretty much make it ready for the next guest to check in uh, a couple of hours later. So typically, checkout's around 11. The cleaner arrives at 12, finishes at half one, and the next guest check in at three. And we have lock boxes on all of my properties. So... Guests are, are able to arrive. They don't need to meet anyone or see anyone. They just enter the, the code that's been issued and um, they, they pretty much get the keys and they're in the property and they'll stay there. And when they check out, they return the key and then the cleaner comes in again an hour later and it's rinse and repeat. So pretty much it runs itself, if that makes sense. And yeah. every once in a while, you have to step in if there's been any damages to the property or if a guest has lost their keys, for example, um, you, you step in. But most of the time, it pretty much runs itself. That's the amazing thing about this strategy. I know I, I, I have a number of service apartments as well. And I remember that when we started, it was a lot of back and forth, you know, going, this is before we discovered things like logbots. And, you know, we would have to go and meet the guests, you know, t- try and time the time that they're arriving. And when the guest comes in late, it's like, oh, you just wasted my time. <laughs> And I would do the same, you know, but there's just so many ways that you can make this run on its own that you actually don't need to go. I don't ever need to go to any of my properties, um, although sometimes I do go to do spot checks on the cleaner just to make sure that they're, they're yeah. doing their job. But you can literally run it without having to, to be there. And I suppose I wanted to ask you, actually, where are your apartments located and how far do you lead? Do you invest or do you have apartments in your area or I suppose because it runs on its own, you can, does that mean that you can afford to have properties that are miles and miles and miles away from where you live? Exactly. So I live in Northampton, so uh, it's pretty much boring. Nothing goes on in Northampton. <laughs> so if I was to get an essay here, judging from my research and due diligence, it wouldn't work because there's not enough footfall, not enough traction. There's nothing here. And that's one of the reasons why I like here because it's quiet and it's just not a lot is going on. But that's the complete opposite to what you need for a service accommodation to run efficiently and profitably. So my, the properties I have, pretty much all of them are about three hours away, three hours up north and three hours down south. So I have properties in, in Manchester. 
have properties in Oxford and have properties in Bath. So if you yeah, when you look on Google Maps, you'll see none of them are within my um, vicinity. So I, I get the whole point of people preaching, you know, invest where you live. Just pretty much just f- f- to just to be lazy, to be honest, because if if your area doesn't work and you listen to that advice, what's the point in taking on a property? Nearby, yeah, it's convenient, but yeah, you're losing money at the same time. I, I never believed in that. Um, those those sayings: invest where you live, invest where makes profit. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> like honestly, I, I'll, go where the money that, is. That, that, that's a quote. I'm, I'm <laughs> quoting you. <laughs> you know what I'm Smell this money. <laughs> um, I, I suppose it's for okay. So let me play the let me put in my bit in there. So I think when you when we hear advice like invest where you live or close by, I think it's probably for maybe people that are starting out and they're still a bit fearful no. or they don't quite, they, you know, they just <laughs> like okay, I'm starting out now. I don't know what to do. Okay, start for, at least start from where you are or you know try a few miles from where you are. But again, that is on the assumption that everyone kind of lives a few miles from where there is action and things exactly like exactly yeah. i mean if i lived in manchester it would be great for me to start in manchester do you know what i'm yeah. saying but if if i listened i hit adhered to that advice and invested where i lived and you know of course again yeah northampton and also that you're new you're a newbie so it'll be easy but if you're a newbie and you invest in northampton to run sa and it doesn't work and you're losing money you'll never do it again you say, oh, this doesn't work. Straight away, that's, that's discouraged you from trying to get another one because you're now fearful. You're hemorrhaging money on this property that's close to home. So why would I even go and try another city? So, um, Emmanuel, having sort of been in the property circles and, and, uh, and understanding a lot about these strategies, right now during this pandemic, yeah. um, and I think you've been quite open about you know about this situation on on online we know that the service accommodation model yes. has probably been one of the most impacted uh, by covid-19 because of course you say that people, again <laughs> <laughs> you know people are not able to travel people are at home um, and of course, your business model relies on footfall, as you as you've rightly said. Can you talk us through kind of the impact your business has seen? Can you explain to our listeners how you've managed to overcome and what you've done um, in in this period where you haven't had traffic to your business? How have you kept up, you know, your rental payments and things like that? And generally, what what's the what what's your less or what are the lessons that you've you've learned during this period if that's okay you know what i have to be honest i mean it's been devastating this is something once in in a hundred years kind of incident you know going dating back to to the spanish flu in the 20s and 30s you you just don't foresee something like this because my business relies on tourism i we started to feel the effects from way before the lockdown Exactly. Thank you for saying that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've been more like a relate. (laughs) I can relate because I think people think that um, that this did only started when the government said there's a lockdown in March. We've been affected since like December because you kind of normally, I mean, December, January is winter months anyway. So typically the market is kind of not as buoyant as during the summer. And you're almost kind of just coasting through those months, hoping and looking forward to the spring and summertime. And then boom. (laughs) So yeah, I I feel you. I feel you, Manuel. Go on, please. 100%. Like, we've (laughs) seen this way back, you know. Yep. 
Um, and uh, particularly so, for example, Bath. Bath is the kind of area that attracts a lot of the uh, Asian market. You know, and you know, going into 2020, we had secured so many bookings from a lot of people arriving from China, um, from March, April, May, June, July. Like it was crazy. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we built up a really solid um, portfolio in Bath, and we've also we managed to retain a lot of the people who came last year. So they already planned their their next year trip to to Bath and already booked with us. So we had accumulated so much in in um, unrealized revenue before the COVID kicked in. And of course, China went into lockdown way before any other country. Mm. They went in lockdown from, from January. So the cancellations started rolling in from, from, from January. You know, you, start, you almost had a bit of a heads up in a way, but still you didn't think, you know, yeah. because if you think back to like Ebola, for example, it was contained within the, the small patch in, in Africa. And you look at bird flu, you look at other pandemics that's potentially, well, other um, health crisis that's arisen, they've been managed to be contained. So when the cancellation started coming in from the tourists in China, you, you're almost naive to the fact that it can come to the UK and the cause of global lockdown. Do you get what I'm saying? You just don't see that. So when we start to see the, the cancellations coming in, you're like, okay, well, I mean, we're going to, you know, still people in America, people, you know what I'm saying? People <laughs> in Europe are still traveling. So it's all good. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, it was, it was that approach. It was kind of complacent. When the lockdown then eventually came to the UK um, and the build up to that was just, so when I get bookings coming in, normally I get email notifications of, uh, you know, the place has been booked and whatnot. But I started, you started to see a lot more cancellations than bookings. Mm -hmm which start to become a little bit worrying. You're like, well, what's going on? You know, people are cancelling from June, July. That was full. Calendar is starting to now look empty. And yeah. then it's, it's encroaching. It's getting closer to where you are presently. You know, because if you get cancellations in June, July, you don't stress as much. You're like, hey, yeah. get that back. But when you start seeing cancellation in June and then May and then April, then you start to, you know, think about, okay, I've got £14,000 worth of payments you know, to own these properties. I'm seeing this kind of, how am I even going to make um, the, these payments? And then when it hit April and then March, when it started to restrict movement and you start to see cancellations coming in in March and it, it was incredibly... Um, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, <laughs> demoralizing. And I, I, it, it took me to a dark place. I can't lie. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to... You know, put my hands up and say, oh yeah, I was, you know, holy than thou. It took me to a place where I even questioned uh, life itself because, wow. um, you know, back in 08 or 09, you read about a lot of um, these business people who decided to just take their life. They lost it all during the mm -hmm. recession and um, they took their lives, you know, and you read about it and you're like, oh, you know, whatnot. And so the difference between this is that if, if I had made a mistake, right, or if I hadn't calculated properly or done my due diligence and I'm losing money, fine. Do you know what I'm saying? I can learn from the mistake. I can adapt and get better. But when it's something that you haven't made a mistake, yeah. you know, and you, you didn't see it coming, it just came like a flood. And it's something that's completely out of your control. You reach a point whereby what's to stop this from happening um, again? And sure. what is the point of working so hard, building up a portfolio only for it to get torn down 
by nothing that you and there's nothing you could have done. That sure. is a very um, uh, frightening place to, to be. And I'm the kind of person that I'm not going to just sit down and not build. I have to always be building. I have to always be be productive. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I felt like, okay, what is the point of business? You know what I'm saying? If a pandemic can come and just ruin everything, mm. what's the point of business? And for me, if there's, if I can't see a point of business, then what's the point of living? Mm. I, I reached that point because I'm not going to sit down and just work a nine to five for the rest of my life. That's not who I am. So at the same point, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do business and it's going to collapse anyway, it's due to something out of my control, then I can't be myself. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. one thing starts to lead to another from a mental point of view. Uh, and yeah, like I said, it took me to a really, um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, a really dark place. And I guess at, at that moment, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I, I do believe in, in the Lord. And I believe there is an enemy out there as well, you know, that feeds off your fear, that feeds yeah. off your power. And these are all qualities that is not given to you by God. You know what I'm saying? It's all fleshly manifestations, fear, worry, anxiety. But then again, these are all natural tendencies in a time like this, yeah. you know. So, so yeah, it was devastating when it hit. And for me, I'm the kind of person I like to uh, work out. So for me, the gym was almost like a place where I could go to bury my head in the sand. Do you know what I mean? And just ignore everything and just escape. But when, on the 23rd, when the, the government um, closed all the gyms, I really yeah. felt like there was nowhere where I could escape. Do you know what I'm saying? There was nowhere to go to kind of save face or look brave or look tough or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that at that point was really where I didn't see the point of, of this life in general. Yeah. Wow, wow. It sounds like you've been to, to, to hell and back, to be honest. Um, and I mean, for our viewers, we are actually on Zoom right now and we can see each other. Well, you can't see me, but I can see Manuel <laughs> and um, I can see kind of like, you know, the, the, the emotions and uh, just... Yeah. just you know, understanding what, what he's been through. So, Emmanuel, how have you, obviously this is the, sometimes th these are the sides of business. This is not about property. This is just, this is life in general. Yes. It just happens to be that you are in the property game and your chosen strategy is, you know, is affected. But many businesses, um, many uh, companies, many organizations are facing this exact same situation. Mm -hmm. And, They've had to, for example, furlough employees. Uh, some have had to let employees go because they just don't have the cash flow to sustain that business. So this isn't this isn't property related. This is this is just life in general. Unfortunately, this this has hit us. So how have you come out of, or what what are the things you've done that has enabled you to be able to come out? And um, you know, have you had to change your business model, for example? Have you? Have you, have you, yeah, what have you done? Yeah, so picking back off where I left off in terms of, you know, reaching a point where you didn't know whether to continue or whatnot, I think that's where loved ones uh, come in. Do you know what sure. I'm saying? Because yeah. uh, for me personally, for my mum, you know, already not started to notice a change in, <laughs> in the way I was talking <clears throat> and the way I was behaving. <clears throat> and uh, so... She, she, she gave me some, some words. I don't know, there's something about moms or dads or, or loved ones that they know the right words to use, I think, uh, at, at a critical point. So, yeah. to be honest, I can't even remember fully what my mom said at the time, but <laughs> she said something that made me realize, like, yo, 
you know, you can, you can, you can, you can survive this. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You can sure. get this. I can't remember, but I just remember, you know, I was on the motorway when I spoke to her, driving at ridiculous speeds on the motorway. Um, didn't really have a care. Um, but, you know, she said something to me that made me just pull over, should I say, on the hard shoulder. Okay. And um, just kind of look at myself and just believe that I, I, I can do this. Do you get what I'm saying? She gave me that belief. Sure. When I, when I got home, you know, I'd already spoken to my wife as well. And, you know, she also gave me that belief. And I looked at my son. My son is three years old. Uh, you know, and I looked at him and I was like, man, what's the story going to be for him? Do you know what I'm saying? About his dad. Sure. And all of these factors came in and just gave me like renewed strength. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So I remember sleeping and waking up that the next day, woke up early. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's the situation we're in. How are we going to deal with this? Do you know what I'm saying? We've got 14 grand worth of lease payments to make by the end of the month. This was like about the 25th of March. Okay. So about five, six days, you've got to pay these guys. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. you've had all these cancellations. What are you going to do? You know, and it's just adapt or die was the situation I was literally facing. Adapt or die. So started brainstorming. I'm speaking to people online, finding out what other people were trying to do. Okay. Uh, and we had to completely switch the business model. Now, okay. the, the tourists were not allowed to travel. You weren't allowed to travel for leisure. However, mm-hmm. key workers were allowed to travel. Okay. So straight away, there was a market there. And the question now became, how do I then retarget my properties to the people who are allowed to travel? Okay. Um, and thankfully, I have a, a background in the medical field. Uh, I studied uh, diagnostic radiography and I specialized in MRI. And before I started doing property uh, businesses and strategies, I was an agency worker. So I used to work in multiple hospitals up and down the city. So straight away, I already had contacts with hospitals in Manchester because I'd worked there. Okay. Bath in Oxford and uh, other cities because I've already worked there as, a, as, a, as an MRI specialist. Okay. So pretty much reaching out to the agencies, reaching out to the hospitals, because I know as, a, as an agency worker, when you go to a hospital to work, generally you work there for two, three days, and then you go back home. Okay. And when you're there, you either stay in a hospital accommodation, which is filthy, or you stay in a hotel. Now, Ooh, did you just say that? <laughs> I, I've stayed in some <laughs> terrible hospital accommodations, believe that. <laughs> um, so those are the options you had as an as a agency contractor, you know, ho- hospital accommodation or hotels. Now, hotels, they also had to close up shop. So you're left with hospital accommodation. So there was no other option. Um, but when I rang the hospitals, a lot of them already, the hospital accommodation was full. Wow. So you had okay. all of these agency workers, doctors, locum doctors that they're bringing in with nowhere to stay. And I came with a solution to, to these hospitals saying, look, I've got six, seven properties in Manchester right now. They're empty. We can come to an agreement um, whereby your, your locums, your doctors, your nurses, all these key workers could come and stay there okay. on a nightly basis. And okay. essentially... I, I'm not necessarily profiting of this because I, I personally don't, it doesn't sit right with me profiting from, from people who are saving lives, especially in a time like this, are putting their own life on the line. But at the same time, I need to cover costs. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So we priced it whereby all of my costs are covered on my properties. 
and and that's the strategy we we've we've, we've uh, adopted so i had to rebrand the the business okay redesign the website retarget it and purpose it towards key workers uh blast out adverts ringing up hospitals ringing up councils because the councils also need accommodation because okay. there's been a rise in domestic violence um yes what, what we've found so they need places to rehouse people for the short term so in the midst of the crisis we managed to come across an opportunity and um, we're not necessarily capitalizing on it but we are covering costs and i'm able to now make rent every month so that's that's amazing that's amazing so not only have you been able to adapt your business um uh, you 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 you've now you're able to actually offer and help during this time of of you know of uh, of uh, well this pandemic that we're going through mm-hmm. and you're able to give good quality accommodation to doctors and all the key workers around and um you're just making sure that your costs are covered and that, that is amazing i mean coming from where you said you were you know that dark place to now offering yeah. a solution and being a part of the uh, 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 being a part of the solution in this pandemic that must feel amazing right now it, it does you know it boils down to you know the more people you help get what they want the more you get what you want do you know what i'm saying the tony robbins Sense. it's absolutely classic you know if you of the one thing i've learned throughout this whole pandemic is if you're into the business of trying to solve a problem yeah you you will never lack do you know what i'm saying it's 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 crazy how that statement is true in any crisis you know? yeah in any scenario if you're focusing on how can i solve this problem first of all you got to identify the problem and then if you can find ways to solve it you, you will make money yeah you know? and 100%. that's one thing this whole pandemic has taught me which is key because like you said uh, dami it's solving a problem accommodation was low for these key workers accommodation was below standard especially doctors a lot of them are quite arrogant anyways <laughs> <laughs> uh, accommodation you didn't say that so all of my places in manchester are filled with with, with doctors now you know and that they they've all renewing so what we've we've done we've put them on a roll-on basis okay um, so because at the end of the day once this, we're, we're going to get through this pandemic but I don't want to be in a situation where I'm then locked in. Because, like I said, to this strategy. So as soon as we start to come out of this lockdown, um, I, I'm going to be positioned where I can then reverse back to what we were doing before. Yeah. Capitalise the tourist market. But in the meantime, where we are solving this problem. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, and the other thing I guess you, you've done there is you've, You've, you've adapted really quickly and this is sometimes something um, that, that businesses don't do very well. Yeah. Um, wh- when, you see, when you hear the likes of you know, the big organisations who at some point close up shop because they just didn't adapt quick enough. Uh, and that's, I think that's a really good principle that we can draw out from this as well is that you, know, you really do need to be agile and you need to look at the situation in hand and be able to adapt your business and um, so that in order to survive, because if you don't, if you didn't, I'm assuming, uh, Emmanuel, you would have started handing these properties back to the, the landlords and, and then, you know, you, you've got a 
even bigger problem on your hands, right? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you heard all the government offering, you know, help for small businesses and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's smoke screen. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it really is smoke screen because I did go to my, my, my bank. They are one of the lend uh, vendors at the bank, uh, that the government nominated to hand out this um, bank loans to small businesses. Now, what they don't tell you is that, yes, the first year will be interest-free, right? But there's no guarantee on what the interest will be from year two or year oh, wow. three. And also, another thing is they do not guarantee the loan against the business, they guarantee the loan against you. So okay. essentially, if, if, if you get this money out and the business still doesn't survive, they're coming for you personally and your personal assets to cover this loan. So regardless... I think, I think that's, that's general for most business loans. You would always have to have a person that guarantees, especially if it's a small business or, or if it's a limited company type setup mm. even though the loan might be for the business but there's always going to be the gu the guarantor of that loan is usually the director okay uh, yeah so I, I didn't think they would do anything different with that but i mean i was going to ask you actually so did you actually get did you apply for any of this loan or any of this help or i tried but when i mm. read the terms i didn't see the point so i did so i think it's good to i can share my experience so I looked at all the different things that the government had um, for small businesses and, and so on and so forth. And we thought, okay, let's try for one of the loans and see. And I think for us, we were I was more interested in the fact that the first year is interest-free. So it was an opportunity to have an interest-free loan as long as we feel that we could clear it within the first year. But then we actually got a rejection and it was on the basis that one, the, the, the business hadn't traded for that long. Which is interesting because, yeah, if a business hasn't traded for that long and they've been affected by this, they're obviously going to need the help. And if it's an established business as well that obviously feels they need the help, they do need the help. Like, it didn't make any sense to me. So sometimes some of this help, I mean, the government is doing a fantastic job offering and just helping people. But it, I think it's, it's worth bearing in mind that there are still a large percentage of business owners or individuals that aren't covered in the this various help that's been offered yeah i just thought it'll be then you ask the question what is the point the people who yeah. need, <laughs> people that need it the most yeah. don't get the help yeah. yeah i mean you're seeing it all the time government bailouts you know they bailed out easy jet mm. yeah but all of these big corporations who should be a lot more responsible are getting the money do you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying mm -hmm. but the small businesses the companies are just the startups you know who yeah. it's no fault of their own this pandemic you know are mm. just trying to do something different, you know what I'm saying? Trying to be brave, taking a risk, are getting yeah. left to die. You know, they're happy to help out these massive corporations um, who should be more responsible, but um, they're not helping out the little guy. Yeah. Can, I, can I say something? So one of the things that I've learned from this situation is, and I want to put this in because I know you mentioned uh, your, your Christian faith has helped you as well. And, you know, I am of the same faith and um, I believe Dami is as well. Or even for anyone listening, so there's there's this um, there's this verse that talks about investing in multiple ventures, and this pandemic has really opened my eyes to the fact that actually you cannot afford to invest in just one sector. So I've always assumed that investing in multiple streams of income is you doing 
you know, at least having multiple streams of income, even if it's from the same um, sector. But I've come to realize that actually the, the learning for me and then that I want to put out there is we need to start thinking of investing in multiple sectors because today the property is affected, property um, sector is affected but the food industry isn't, you know, the travel sector is affected, but, you know, I don't know, the, the products or the online industry, digital industry isn't affected. So we've got to learn, we've got to, so part of us adapting. So it's one thing to adapt to your current situations, another thing to prepare and part of preparation that we must do or take from COVID-19 pandemic um, is when we do start up again, we should actually aim to invest in multiple sectors because I think if something else were to happen in the future, hopefully, even if one's not bringing money in, at least another one's bringing money in. I completely agree with that. Um, but the, the problem is, this you couldn't have foreseen this. You know mm. what I mean? So I have a, a wedding photography business as well, um, which is thriving um, to the glory of God. It was, it's been doing really well. We had so many weddings lined up this year. We had about 30 wow. weddings lined up this year. Uh, we had so many weddings for April. Majority of the weddings are April, May, June. That's peak season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, that was a multi, that was another stream of income for myself. But I mean, this pandemic pretty much put a pause. Mm. You know, weddings have been cancelled, weddings have been postponed. So that's an also also loss of income from from that point of view. Uh, I also I invest in in companies that pay their shareholders dividends. So that was another stream of income for me that um that i've de been dependent on but also a lot of the companies now like you said they're trying to preserve cash so a lot of them have actually cut dividend payments or paused dividends payments so you know <laughs> like every every angle of every single literally got destroyed you know what i'm saying during this thing you know and but one thing you said i think you've just got to look at businesses that are i guess pandemic proof this is the time that you just look up to the lord look my favorite my favorite scripture this pandemic is i look up to the hill from whence cometh my help my help comes from god like seriously this is i think you're right even though you can invest in multiple sectors, which we must do. I have to actually encourage everyone to do that but because you just never know where the issue or the problem will come from there's got to be that other thing that just helps and lifts your spirit up. And that's the, in the supernatural, you know, and I don't want to preach, but I just had to, it just had to be said. Yeah. I mean, because I remember jokingly last, last year, uh, or I was saying, no matter what happens, you know, people will still get married. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what I, I, that's what I always thought like my, my photography <laughs> business was recession. <laughs> people don't get married. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what, yeah, we're set. Yeah, yeah. Um, SA business can go down the pot by some set, got bit, but nah, fam. <laughs> um, it's crazy, it's crazy. Good, massive learning curve, yeah. So, I mean, Emmanuel, this has been amazing. Like, you know, the just sharing, you know, what you do, um, how you got into property, then we moved on into your strategies, then we moved on into the challenges, and there's so much that. Hopefully, um, our listeners could have uh, could have gotten from this uh, from this episode. So, thank you for you know agreeing to join us. Thank you for being on this podcast. It's it's been amazing. Um, I guess just before we wrap up, maybe 
if you could just share, um, you know, maybe someone looking to start out, just give them, uh, you know, uh, you know, your thoughts on what they should do uh, or what they can do. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go for the day. I think, I think uh, the first advice I would give to anyone that's wanting to start out in not necessarily just property in any business in general is you, you've got to start with the end in mind. You know what I'm saying? Like where yeah. you would be in the next five, 10 years, like we've got to project yourself forward and have a goal. And once you've got that goal, write it down, have it in front of you every single day. And then the next step I would say is find someone who is where you want to be. Yeah. You say, and either, either, well, you've got to learn from them. Do you know what I'm saying? Find someone who is where you want to be and learn from them. Whether that is learning from them in sense of buying their books yeah uh learning from them from them you know being your mentor or okay. youtube videos whatever it is you've got to be a student of wherever you want to to specialize in or or become of yourself you've got to study people is whatever you want to do someone's been there already and done that and got the t-shirt sure you know? so sure. in order for you to to get there at a short period of time or a lot less time than it took them You've got to learn from them because they've got the blueprint. Do you get what I'm saying? And that blueprint will help you navigate through life and not make the same mistakes that they've made. Do you get what I'm saying? So okay. you've got to be willing to learn, humble yourself. And I mean, you've got to be persistent. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because if it was easy, everyone would, would be doing it. And you've got to be persistent, be resilient. And one thing I've learned during this whole pandemic is have people around you that you can trust. Do you know what I'm saying? Have, have a circle, a very small circle of people that you know you can depend on, who you can be vulnerable with. Sure. And will help you during unforeseen circumstances. Because I'll tell you, uh, you know, in my persistence, I'm, I'm the kind of person who I'm self-motivated anyways. Um, you know, I read a lot of books, have a lot of quotes, but when, you know, crap hit the fan, I reached a point where it, it was my small circle that I had that kept me alive, literally. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. that's one thing I'm taking out of this that is key, is keep your circle small. But okay. Make sure it's of people that you trust and will tell you the truth and that you, that can potentially save your life. Wow, wow, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, uh, myself and Bimbola would like to extend our thanks and, uh, you know, maybe once uh, this pandemic is over, we will... We'll be able to catch up and. I'm a Nando's. <laughs> I'm desperate for Nando's. <laughs> Grab a cheeky Nando's. So, yeah, no, fantastic. So, we're going to wrap it up there. And, um, uh, yeah, and maybe another time we can have you on uh, as, as a guest. And, uh, you know, maybe once the pandemic is over, you can tell us how, uh, you know, what you've done and if you've pivoted again and uh, how Business things will be booming. <laughs> definitely, so. definitely. All the weddings that were cancelled, all will happen during the week, Monday to Friday. You'll be working. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. That goes grace, man. That excellent, goes excellent. Yeah. So, thank you. And to our listeners, um please don't forget to subscribe if you found this useful, if you found this valuable. Yeah, give us a comment, leave us a comment. And yeah, please feel free to reach out to us. Emmanuel, just lastly, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best place or where can they find you? So my Instagram is uh, City Dreams and uh, my Facebook is Emmanuel Opiodu. 
and like, my website is citydreams.co.uk excellent thank you Manuel. so we'll put that in the show notes so we've been Dami and Bimbola from Propcast we've had our uh, fantastic amazing guest Emmanuel have a great day everyone all the best right. take care thanks bye bye